0: We're in Genesis chapter 32, making our way through the book of Genesis. Uh, We'll be looking at verses uh, 22 through 32. Jacob is returning to Canaan. He has sent great gifts before him uh, to his brother Esau. He has crossed the Jabbok River, a tributary to the Jordan, and now Jacob, with the remainder of his possessions, his wives and his children, he's there at the River Jabbok, and that's where we pick up our story this morning. Genesis 32, verse 22 through 32. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford at Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent them over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle of that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Jacob has reached a place where there's no turning back for him. He's all alone. He's separated his family from himself, and he is on the north side of the Jabbok River. In verse 24, while he's there alone, a man none other than Jesus himself, comes to wrestle or contend with Jacob until the breaking of day. This is an all-night contending between Jesus and Jacob. Jesus has sought out Jacob. It is Jesus who initiates the wrestling match. Jesus has plans for Jacob. And Jesus has plans for every one of us. We, too, are his disciples, and he has plans for us. But the struggle, the contention in the heart and like of Jacob, it has been building for years. But this is the night the Lord has ordained for Jacob to yield to God. A little background on Jacob. You remember he came out of the womb, clutching the heel of Esau. One of the first actions we read about Jacob is he's contending with his brother. Next, Jacob, we see him, and he's purchasing the birthright from Esau with a bowl of stew. doesn't say much for Esau, but there Jacob is wanting the birthright. Then we find Jacob in the tent of Isaac his father and he's lying and deceiving his father for that blessing, for that birthright. The deception that he brings to Isaac his father angers Esau so much that Esau comforts himself with the thought, with the plot I'm going to kill my brother. And that's his comfort. Jacob, knowing of his brother's hatred towards him, he leaves home. He travels 500 miles north to Laban's area, Uncle Laban. And there, Jacob labors 20 years for his uncle, 14 years for Leah and Rachel, And then six years for the flocks that he has. And then God speaks to Jacob and he tells him, go home. Time for you to go home, Jacob. But he's left and Laban pursues Jacob. And he catches up with Jacob and they make a non-aggression covenant with one another. So here's Jacob. He can't go back north to Laban's area, and Jacob finds himself in a situation where his only choice is to go south. It's not a very pleasant thought for Jacob to go south because he remembers how Esau's last words or last thoughts towards him was, I'm going to kill you. Jacob, he is greatly afraid, it tells us. He is distressed. And he's heard that Esau is marching towards him and he only has 400 men with him. (laughs) That would uh, tend to make one nervous. So Jacob, he begins to send presents to Esau and he divides his family out of fear of what Esau will do. If he kills this half, then the other half will survive and that kind of thing. But Jacob, He's there alone by the Jabbok River. Enter Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus, he will contend, he will wrestle with Jacob. Now understand, this is not a wrestling match like you see on TV or something. It's not that Jesus is worried about maybe losing this match to Jacob. It's not that kind of match whatsoever. It's not who's the strongest or anything like that. Jacob's part of the contention, the contending, is simply to hang on to Jesus. And it's not like Jesus has met his match in Jacob. But verse 26, Jesus says to Jacob, let me go for the day breaks. Jacob replies, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I think Jesus wanted to hear that out of Jacob. I think Jesus finally has Jacob right where he wants him. This, the blessing has been the quest. It has been the goal of Jacob all of his life. It's been a God-given desire of Jacob to be blessed of his God. He has just gone about it in many different ways, and some of those ways have been deceptive and wrong. But Jacob, he is alone. He's an old man now. He's 95 years old. And now he must have, he clings to Jesus because he must have God's blessings. The 95-year struggle of Jacob... It has to come to an end for him. And that's why Jesus is there. Jesus comes on the scene and he's there to settle this issue between himself and Jacob once and for all. And Jacob has finally come to an end of himself. And it only took 95 years. <laughs> God has brought Jacob to this very point in his life. And it's time for the contention, the struggle to end. Up until this point, God has blessed Jacob. And he's made him wealthy. He's given him great possessions. But the time has come for Jacob to give God all of his heart. And Jesus is going to settle for nothing less. Let me repeat that. The time has come in Jacob's life for him to give God all of his heart. And God will settle for nothing less. Perhaps you're in that point this morning. A partial surrender to God is no surrender. Jesus was required to give his all for us just to become a Christian for our salvation. And eventually, sooner or later, in each and every Christian's life, we have to come to that point where we give our all to him. For Jacob, it's been 95 years. Jacob... He's been willing to give away his wealth. He sent much of his wealth to his brother Esau. But he wants God's blessings. When we look at the presents that Jacob has sent to Esau, there was over 500 different animals he sent him. That's a lot of animals, by the way. <laughs> but Jacob, he finds himself in a place, in a position that the blessings are not important. They're all he lives for now. He must have God's blessing upon his life. It's the only thing that he can settle for. It's the only thing that really matters to him now. And again, I believe God brings each and every one of us. Every believer has to come to that point where God is God. The struggle that Jacob faces, the struggle that he's been 95 years contending with, he wants God's blessing tremendously. We've seen that in his deception of Isaac and all the different things. But he wants God's blessings on his terms. And God's not going to give it to him on his terms. And isn't that the struggle that we have? I know it is in my life. I want God's blessings tremendously. But he's only willing to give his blessings on his terms. I had a man say to me not long ago that he was looking for balance in his Christian life. Balance in that place where he could serve God and uh, kind of serve himself and and kind of be content and happy with that and that man he was he was sincere he was willing to serve God on what he called a balanced basis, and all that was was a limited basis, and he was setting the parameters. Of how he would serve God. Now here's the thing with our Lord. Maybe you know this. Maybe you don't. He works diligently. In each and every one of our lives. To bring us to a full commitment. To himself. And unless we are fully committed. To our Lord. We can find ourselves like Jacob. Wrestling. Contending with God. So the question, can we learn from Jacob? We know that uh, the characters of the Old Testaments are, are there for our edification, for our learning from them. So can we learn from Jacob? Jacob, when he leaves this encounter with Jesus, he leaves it limping Verse 27, Jesus asks Jacob, he says, what is your name? It's not because Jesus didn't know his name. He says, what do people call you, Jacob? And Jacob means one who fights victoriously with God or perhaps a prince of God. But Jacob, he's given a new name, Israel. Israel means governed by God. The years and years of contending with God are over for Jacob. God has won. But in reality, Jacob has won also, for he is now called Israel, governed by God. And he now experiences not only God's blessing, but he also has God's peace. And then Jacob does something a little peculiar. He says, by the way, what's your name? (laughs) Please tell me, I pray. And Jesus doesn't answer Jacob. He doesn't tell him, well, I'm, I'm Jesus. Instead, we hear, why is it that you ask my name? Why do you ask who I am? And in verse 30, Jacob answers his own question. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So Jacob knew who he was wrestling with. But then again, Scripture tells us no one has seen God, the Father, face to face and lived. But we are allowed to see the Son. And I'm so glad. One of Jesus' disciples, Philip, in John 14, he had a request of Jesus. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus says to Philip, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? We can't say to Jesus, show us the Father, if we've seen the Son. We have seen the Father. Now, I've never had a vision of the Lord's. Perhaps you have. And that's a blessing in a way, because when you believe without seeing, you receive a special blessing. But back to Jacob. Jacob, having seen Jesus, declares, I have seen God face to face. And he's right. There's no question in Jacob's mind. He knows Who he has been contending with. Jacob names the place of this encounter Penuel, meaning I have seen God. Then he then the the sun comes up. Jacob limps away on the hip that Jesus has touched. Jesus himself has contracted the muscle in his hip, or he has shrank the muscle in this hip. And a hip injury, a dislocated hip, is one of the most painful injuries you can suffer, so I'm told. I haven't had a dislocated hip, I don't know. But it's a very painful injury. And for Jacob, it's a constant reminder of his encounter, his contending with Jesus. And it's a step-by-step reminder. Every time Jacob takes a step, he is reminded, yeah, I'm limping, but God has blessed me. And Jacob, he limps with every step the rest of his life. Jacob has his injured hip, and it's from God. God himself you gotta, you got to catch this. God himself has handicapped Jacob. Jacob's injury is a reminder by God every time he takes a step that God has blessed him and that God is for him, but it's painful. Many times, God allows us to suffer sickness or injury For our long-term benefit. You see, our Lord has the responsibility once we become His to prepare us for eternity. And sometimes we have to encounter unpleasant sicknesses or injuries along the way. There are numerous testimonies from people who have turned their injury or their handicap into a positive thing, into a ministry in their life. Maybe you've heard of Johnny Erickson Tada. Well she had just graduated from high school at seventeen. She dove off a, a floating dock out in a lake into shallow water, fractured her neck, and she became a quadriplegic. But Johnny testifies today, without the injury, without this injury to my body, I would have never entered the ministry for my Lord. Her injury caused her to live a life of serving others. And according to Johnny's testimony, she now has a life that has meaning. We have a man who works in our sound booth. <laughs> Show us your titanium bolts. Got it right here. This came out of his hip. <laughs> uh, he was struck in an intersection by an automobile while riding his bike. God allowed that injury to come to Talus. And God turned it into a blessing. Many times as Christians, we're not willing to accept that God allows sickness or God allows injury. But in the case of Jacob, God himself, Jesus in person, dislocated Jacob's hip by touching it. Jesus did that to Jacob. Jesus, in verse 25 of our text, he touched the hip socket of Jacob, dislocating the hip. And again, this is an extremely painful injury. And God is willing to allow or even bring physical pain into our life for his eternal purposes. And that's hard for us to accept sometimes. Eternity, the last time I checked, is a little longer than our lifespan. You heard that here. And when we look back upon our life, oftentimes what we call accidents or what we call bad things, they have come from the hand of God. Because our God is preparing us for eternity. And our eternal home means much more to our Lord than our temporary pleasures here in this life. You see, God did not spare his own son, Jesus. But he required that Jesus go to the cross, suffer the agony, suffer the pain of the cross for us. Jacob has limped away from this wrestling match with Jesus and he's no longer Jacob. He no longer contends with the Lord. He is now Israel, governed by God. Jacob, he can now go forward and meet his brother Esau, knowing that God is for him. Knowing that God has blessed him, knowing that Esau can do nothing to him apart from what God will allow. Jacob's contending with the Lord, his wrestling match is over. And now he has a new name. No more heel catcher, the original name given, But he's now Israel. He's governed by God. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer. Before I pray, Sarah, I'm not going to mention that you're going away. Back to college. You you asked that I wouldn't mention that and I want to honor that. But we do want to pray for Sarah. We like it when she's here for the summer and she says, maybe next summer I won't come around. Sarah, forget those thoughts. (laughs) But uh, agree with me in prayers. We pray for Sarah and we close in prayer. Father God, we are grateful that you love us so much. Grateful that. You strive with us. You contend with us to bring us to that point where we surrender to You. Glad that You don't cast us aside because of our stubbornness or because of our rebellious heart, Lord. Glad that You love us. Glad that You're patient. Glad that You're long-suffering, Lord. And Lord, we too want to just uh, lift up Sarah. We ask You to go before her. Bless her time up in Iowa as she goes back to school, Lord. Just uh, cause her to be a light. Cause her to just be uh, a witness, a testimony to her fellow students. And just go before her, Lord. Just make these happy days for her as she, she continues her education, Lord. So be with Sarah and take care of her, Lord, is our prayer. And we would pray that for each and every one of us here, Lord. May we just cherish the fact that we have your blessings. And Lord, may we look upon the things that come our way many times as, as God sends just to get us into that position where you can bless us. Have your way and your will in our life, we pray. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.